Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, June 29th, 2016. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Boston, Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by SeatGeek. SeatGeek has made it easier than ever before to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, what's great about SeatGeek is the price you see is the price you get. Most sites will try to surprise you at checkout with these outrageous fees, but not SeatGeek. So make sure you download the free SeatGeek app right now and get a $20 rebate on tickets by using the promo code PICARD. That's right, as in my last name, PICARD. Now the Red Sox, they are still in Tampa Bay. They wrap up this three-game series at the Trop this afternoon on this Wednesday afternoon. Sort of a getaway day. The Red Sox will have off tomorrow on Thursday, and they return home to Fenway for a weekend series against the Angels beginning Friday night. And if you are looking to go to Fenway on a beautiful weekend to see the Red Sox play the Angels, you got to go to the SeatGeek app right now and you can set an alert. Here's what you got to do. This is one of the coolest features on the SeatGeek app. You can set an alert for any future event. So if you're looking to go to Fenway, set an alert for this entire series. And what SeatGeek will do is... They'll keep you updated and let you know when ticket prices fall so you can get the best deal possible. It's not just Fenway. It's not just the Red Sox. Heck, it's not even just Boston. You can go on this app. You can search any venue in any city. And again, not just a sporting event, but also a concert. And all you got to do in the promo code section is type in my last name, Picard, and you can get $20 off your ticket. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or a concert, and it should be the first place you go as well. SeatGeek. So I'm going to get into some Red Sox today because it was a big win for them last night. 8-2 8-2 to two at the Trop. You got a nice pitching performance by Rick Porcello. I'm going to react to that, and I'm sort of going to react in a way in which I'm going to bring back yesterday's Red Sox conversation and some of the complaints that I had on yesterday's podcast with regards to how people were reacting to the Red Sox latest skid going into last night's game. So I'm going to react to all the baseball, all the Red Sox stuff on this show today. But first and foremost, I'm going to play for you my conversation with Chris Mannix that I had this morning. Chris Mannix covers the NBA for the vertical at Yahoo Sports. Uh, he joined me over the phone this morning. He's one of the best guests that I have on this show, and it's always great to talk to him, especially when you get some juicy NBA rumors, and we certainly have that today. We've had it all week, and these rumors are just going to continue throughout the summer, at least the next couple weeks and the entire month of July Uh, Chris Mannix joined me this morning over the phone. We talked about Kevin Durant, NBA free agency. We went back to the NBA draft to see what the Celtics did. I mean, for the most part, we talked Celtics, but we also got into a little of the LeBron James stuff and the news today that he is going to opt out of his $24 million player option. Uh, So Chris gave his take on that. I gave my take on that. And I will react a little bit more after I play this conversation for you. So enjoy it. And again, stick around afterwards because I'm going to continue with the NBA, but also get into the Red Sox and react to what happened last night in a big win for the Sox at the Trop against Tampa Bay. So here's the conversation with Chris Mannix. Again, enjoy and stick around afterwards. 
All right, joining me over the phone right now is Chris Mannix from The Vertical at Yahoo Sports. Uh, you can also catch him on The Vertical Free Agency Show tomorrow, Thursday, 11.30 p.m. to 1 o'clock Eastern Time. As you know, NBA Free Agency begins on Friday, and Chris Mannix is here right now to talk about it with me. Chris, thanks for joining me today. How you doing? Danny, every time I miss Boston, I, I just have to hear your voice and that <laughs> accent, and it all comes rushing back. Well, that's a, that's a good thing. I, I'm going to take that as a compliment, Chris. And um, <laughs> as we talk about the Celtics back here in Boston, the big name is Kevin Durant because he's the biggest name out there in free agency, but he's also picked six teams, and the Celtics are one of those six teams that he is going to meet with. Now, there could be more. Who knows? There could be less. But at least as of this week and this past weekend, we're talking about the six teams and the Celtics are one of those teams. And so, Chris, my question for you is that gives them a shot, right? I mean, I, some people have told me, well, they just he's using the Celtics as a negotiation. I don't understand that one bit. But my thing is they got a seat at the dinner table. Like Danny Ainge has a seat at the dinner table with Kevin Durant. Isn't that all you can ask for right now if you're the Celtics? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, there, there are a couple of layers to this. That, that the Celtics have to be uh, aware of. Number one is they know that when they go into this meeting, they have to have a plan to tell Kevin Durant that they're going to sign somebody else in addition to signing him or trade for somebody else in addition to bringing him in. They, they are keenly aware that Kevin Durant is not coming to Boston just to play with Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder and the group of players that's currently there. They're going to have to add an Al Horford, a Jimmy Butler, somebody like that um, uh, to the mix. Number two, even though the Celtics know that they're probably not high on Durant's list, and, and most people that I've talked to that are, are are going to be in these meetings or involved with teams that are going to be in this, these meetings, um, they have said they still firmly believe that Oklahoma City on a one-year deal is still the most likely scenario for Kevin Durant, once you get into the room, things can change. And mm-hmm. there's no better proof of that than what happened last year with LaMarcus Aldridge. Now, Aldridge was was motivated to leave Portland in the first place, but he probably entered those meetings thinking he was going to be a Los Angeles Laker. The Lakers came in, they were brutal in the room, and, and he wound up pivoting to the San Antonio Spurs. Briefly, he flirted very closely with the Phoenix Suns. So once you get in the room and once you make your pitch, and if you show Kevin Durant that 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 things can be different than what it looks like uh, at this current moment, anything can really happen. So um, I think they have to feel, you know, not confident, but if they have a good sales pitch and they have a good plan, uh, that can be influential. Yeah, and, and that's why I say, you know, that all you can ask for is just get into the room because when you do get in the room, I feel like you do have a shot because let's face it, Chris. I mean, there are some teams, some some real historic organizations that Durant does not want to meet with. So that kind of speaks volumes to the Celtics. But I'll ask you, why are the Celtics on this list? Because the things you just mentioned, you know, he's not going to come play with just Isaiah Thomas. Uh, It it looks like the Celtics need to go out and get somebody else. And I completely agree with you on that. And I'll get to some of those players in just a minute that they could get. But if you're Kevin Durant and, and everything that you hear about this situation... Why is it that the Celtics are one of these six teams on this list that he uh, that he wants to meet with? Well, if you look at the teams on the list, um, most of them are in the Western Conference. you got Miami uh, sitting there as a potential Eastern Conference team. But I, I think for Durant, you've got to have an Eastern Conference alternative. Um, you know, if you decide that 
that playing in the West and having to deal with San Antonio and Golden State and the Clippers for at least the next three years is too overwhelming. Um, going to the East where just Cleveland is, um, you know, might be appealing. And Boston was a 48-win team without Kevin Durant last year. What might they be with him? What could they be if they're with him and another player? Same thing with Miami. Pat Riley's reputation for luring players is, you know, it's, it's already, it speaks for itself. Um, you know, the Heat have the potential to, you know, bring Wade and possibly Chris Bosch back next year. That situation with his blood clots is a very fluid one at the moment. Um, you know, that, that would be, that's appealing and worth getting into a room. The Washington Wizards were never going to be appealing. He never wanted to go home, as I've been writing for about six months now. The New York Knicks are, are in total disarray. Um, so I, I think that, that Boston and Miami represent the two teams that if Kevin Durant is added to the mix, another player is as well, they could be a threat to win a championship just based on the conference that they're in. Here's where I think the Celtics have, and maybe leverage is, is too strong of a word, but here's where I think if they're going to get into the room with Durant, which they are, here's what they should do. Because I think this is where the Celtics can separate themselves from the other five teams. It's that those other five teams, you know, the Golden States, uh, the San Antonios, the Miamis, uh, the Clippers, the, the, even the Thunder. Like those teams, Kevin Durant knows who he's going to go play with. The Celtics can get in that room and say, hey, we got another max contract we want to dish out. We got all these assets. We can either sign somebody else or we can trade for somebody else. How about you tell us who you want to play with? Do you think that's something that, you know, does that give the Celtics any type of leverage that they can sort of go in and not name Kevin Durant the GM, but sort of, I guess, unofficially call him co-GM and say, hey, would you like to pick who you want to play with? Because we can go make that happen. Yeah, well, I mean, for starters, I think that's already happened. I mean, you know, you know, there are rules in place, you know, technically, but, you know, agents and, and front offices talk all the time, and, and I have no doubt that, that Rich Kleiman, uh, Kevin Durant's agent, or you know some what some of the many people that are in Kevin Durant's inner circle have made Boston keenly aware of of what it would take and who they have to sign to potentially lure him out there. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's behind the scenes, it's off the record, it's all this stuff, but this stuff is is commonplace in the NBA. So I don't think the Celtics are going in blind, and I don't think they're going in needing even to say to Kevin Durant, you know, who do you want to play with? They already pretty much know. And, and the problem is, you know, that, that, that Kevin's going to be 28 years old in September. And if there's one thing he's told me, and there's one thing he's been very clear about, it's that he wants to go to a situation where he can win right away. Mm-hmm. If Boston does not have something on the table that can get them a Jimmy Butler, a Paul George, uh, an Al Horford, it's just not going to happen. Um, and and that's what they say. You know, if Kevin Durant is priority number one, Priority 1A is getting one of those other players to make sure that deal happens. You don't think someone like Al Horford is enough to convince? Because there was a report. No, it would, yeah, Al Horford would be enough. I it think would. Al Horford would be um, uh, would be the player that we're talking about here that could be a difference maker. The problem is, you know, it's, it's become pretty clear in NBA circles that if the Hawks step up and give a five-year deal at close to the $150 million max, Al Horford's not going anywhere. He, huh. he wants to stay. He's motivated to stay. I think Atlanta right now, um, is close to where Al Horford wants to be money-wise. Um, and, and at this point, I, I'd honestly, I don't want to say I'd be surprised if it fell apart, but you know, they're, 
they're one of the closer incumbent teams to signing their own player, I think, when this July 1st uh, deadline uh, approaches. Speaking with Chris Mannix, uh, Chris, were you surprised at the Celtics before the draft having that number three pick? Were you surprised that, that they weren't able to, to make a big trade and, and go out and get that superstar player right then and there before they made that pick for Jalen Brown at number three? No, because um, when you get past two, and this is no surprise, I've just said this, but when you get past two, there's a drop-off. And you know, a lot of people like Chris Dunn, Philadelphia most notably. Uh, I think Boston wanted to try to extract that Lakers pick that the Sixers have next year, um, which could potentially be a top-five pick as well. Um, you already know the Nets are probably going to have a, a top-five pick uh, next year. The Celtics can flip and, and take away from them. So I think the Celtics were, were looking at potential assets, but the deal – the deals with the Jimmy Butler's of the world and, and, and Paul George's, even though he, Paul George probably not available at all at that point, they, they just weren't they weren't going to be there for that third overall pick. There just wasn't the same level of interest in a, in a Jalen Brown, Chris Dunn, Dragon Bender selection as there would have been for someone like Brandon Ingram. You know, when I saw Sacramento at eight take Marquise Chris and announce that they were trading him to Phoenix. My first thought was, okay, here we go. Here's why the Celtics drafted Jalen Brown, because Sacramento thought he was going to get taken before that spot, and we got a three-team deal, and somehow, some way, more Brooklyn picks are going to Sacramento, and DeMarcus Cousins is coming to the Celtics. That's what my crazy mind was thinking. And, and until DeMarcus Cousins gets moved out of Sacramento, I'm going to continue to think that teams will have interest. Uh, are we closing the door on him being traded from the Kings? And, and if we're not, I mean, are we... Uh, are we closing the door on, on the Celtics being a possibility? Where do we stand with DeMarcus Cousins? Because I would love to see that type of trade still because I think that type of player would also convince someone like Durant to come here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that we're not closed. The, the door isn't closed on DeMarcus Cousins being traded. He, he still is incredibly valuable, and, and I think teams are going to fall over themselves trying to make an offer to uh, Sacramento uh, that works, but you know the problem is you're going to have to make a big offer, and and because teams like the Lakers and teams like the Suns are are going to I think aggressively pursue him uh, this off season, so the Celtics will not be able to get him for 75 cents on the dollar. Moreover, everything I'm hearing out of Sacramento is that they're not interested in making that deal right now, and you're never going. Well, I should say never. You're not going to hear anytime soon. Demarcus Cousins insist on a trade. This is a guy that even though it's a total mess in Sacramento, it's his mess. And he's got a lot of power and a lot of clout within that organization with ownership and with the general manager of Vlade Divac. And if he goes somewhere else, he might not have that same, uh, that same level of control as the, uh, the franchise player. So it's not a, a closed door by any stretch. And, and I, I, it wouldn't shock me this offseason to see DeMarcus Cousins traded, but uh, right now there is not a, a, any type of momentum for that deal. Make me feel a little bit better and tell me that Dwight Howard and the like. Tell me the Celtics are not serious about Dwight Howard. Reports they're going to meet with Dwight Howard. This is just their due diligence with free agents who at one point were big names. Uh, right? No, I mean, uh, I mean, but look, Danny Danny Ainge likes Dwight Howard. I mean, that was made clear to me. Um, when, when the rumors cropped up around the trade deadline that uh, that Dwight was available and Boston was interested, the price back then was was way too high uh, as as Houston overplayed their hand a little bit. But I would disagree with you on, on Dwight. I mean, I I think Dwight's a good player. I mean, I I would take Dwight at the right price in a heartbeat. Now, if you're if you're saying four year max contract, of course not. Now you don't give Dwight Howard that if for no other reason than you don't know how his body's going to hold up. But 
you know, Dwight is, I think he's in some ways unfairly maligned for for the player that he is. I mean, he had a rough end in Houston, and, and certainly the Lakers and the Mike D'Antoni mix uh, didn't work out. But, you know, you put this guy in a role where he is the, the second scorer or even the third scorer on your team, he is still going to be able to give you 18 points and 11 rebounds and block some shots and be a defensive presence. He's still very much in the prime of his career. I mean, if it's a deal, like a two-year, $40 million deal or something like that, I would hand that to Dwight tomorrow. At 12.01 on July 1st, I would hand him that type of contract. I think that the Dwight beating that he takes, and a lot of it's on him. He, mm. he brings it on himself with his personality and, and some of his public comments, but I think it's it, it, it completely uh, is is unfair to the player that he is. So I, I, I'm on a different side of you on this one than you, Danny. I, I would take him in a moment at the right price. Well, you say at the right price, though. I mean, Dwight Howell, what did he just turn down? 23 mil uh, one season? 23, yeah, but 23 mil in one year. Like, if Dwight wanted to get that deal back specifically, there's a team out there that give Dwight one year $30 million because the salary cap floor mm. is going to be about $85 million. You've got to reach that floor. So there's going to be a team out there that'll give him the one-year deal. What he's looking for are more guaranteed years. So if he can get two years at 45, three years at 70, that's the type of deal he's looking for. I don't know that he's going to get to three, although a, a, a bidding war could potentially drive it up that far. But a two-year, $50 million type of deal, that is not out of the realm of possibility for Dwight Howard. All right, so free agency should be interesting. Uh, just before I, before I let you go, Chris, LeBron James opts out of the $24 million player option, but he's going to re-sign in Cleveland, right? Like, this isn't him going out testing the free agent market and having meetings of his own with other teams. Like, he's staying no, in Cleveland? No, this is no, this is more LeBron just, you know, getting his bigger contract. You can get, he signs a one-year deal now. It's, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's probably going to be worth more than just what that player option was going to be. The, the only, the first time Cleveland's going to have to be worried is going to be the summer of 2017. And that's when Chris Paul is scheduled to be a free agent and LeBron, if they win another championship or whatever happens next year in Cleveland, he's going to have already feel like he's done enough for the city and, and he could potentially leave. But this summer, it's not there. This summer, the whole band is likely going to be back together. Maybe Kevin Love uh, could be moved at some point this offseason. I think that's a little bit less certain than what Cleveland's saying publicly at the moment. But this is not the summer that Cleveland has to worry about LeBron leaving. I think they should keep Kevin Love. I know he took a beating in the finals. And look, I've given him a beating the last year and a half. But still, I, I look at that game seven and even the first six minutes, just some of the just second effort stuff that he showed in that game. I, I thought that was sort of infectious for Cleveland in that one. And and I think that they should keep Kevin Love. I really do. I mean, do you think they're gonna? You think they're gonna move him? Well, I, I don't know. Um, I, and I don't know if they should keep him either. Um, you know, I, they're saying the right things publicly. If you say we're gonna trade the guy, your your, your marketing value, yeah. your your negotiation position goes way down. I mean, if if you're motivated to move him, nobody's gonna give you any kind of offer on a guy that's got four years and and, and what ninety million dollars, something like that. Uh, left on his contract. So they're, they're saying the right things publicly, but behind the scenes, if you can find a way to get yourself a, a defensive-minded two-guard and a swing three-four, you know, frankly, players like Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder uh, from from another team, then, then you got to at least consider if you're Cleveland because it was pretty clear that in the playoffs, you can survive, maybe even thrive, with Tristan Thompson at five and LeBron at four and find some other cheaper alternative uh, to be kind of a fill-in uh, in between. So I, I think that if they can, you know, pump up their depth a little bit and get a little better on the perimeter with some of their defense, things that, 
and really hurt them, I thought, uh, in the finals last year. That's at least something you got to consider uh, if you're the Cavaliers. All right, and tomorrow night you guys got the free agency show on the vertical, 11.30 p.m., correct? That's 11.30, yeah. We start, we go all the way till 1 o'clock, and, and believe me, at 12.01, we're going to start reporting some news that's going to be out there. So the contracts will be signed right away. Uh, meetings will be taking place immediately. We'll have it all uh, over at thevertical.com. All right, can't wait, Chris. Thanks a lot. Great stuff, as always. We'll talk to you soon, all right? You guys get it. All right, great stuff right there from Chris Mannix. And again, you can catch him on the Vertical Free Agency Show. That's tomorrow night, Thursday night, 11 p.m. Uh, to 1 o'clock in the morning because free agency will officially begin at, what, midnight, and I'm sure they're going to have plenty of things to report on that show, on that podcast. So thanks to Chris Mannix for joining me today. And, you know, the thing that we disagree on is the Dwight Howard stuff. I'll continue to disagree with him on that. Um, It's a respectful disagreement, but the news today is that the Celtics are going to meet with Dwight Howard and... uh, I think this is just due diligence. Like, you got a free agent that just opted out who is a big name in the league. As much as I don't like him, I can't deny the fact that he is a big name and at one point in time was an all-star player. I do not think he's an all-star player anymore. I do not think he even has the all-star mindset or motivation. So, I guess the question is, and Chris kept saying this, you know, you'd br- he'd bring Dwight Howard to the Celtics for the right deal. What is the right deal? That's my question. But I also just don't think it's even going to be worth your time bringing in that type of character into your locker room to a team that has that, that at least we believe from the outside looking in is such a character ball club is a team that when you look at what their identity is, this Celtics group and how they've been so successful the, the last year and a half. It's been because of their fight. Like, they're never out of a game. You saw that at the very end of the regular season uh, in, in a couple of those games that they had. I mean, you, you've seen it throughout the last year and a half how much fight this group has and the energy that they bring on a nightly basis and how much heart they have. I just, Dwight Howard, you know, energy, fight, heart, passion, those are three or four words that I never use to describe Dwight Howard and if you ever did use him to, des- to describe Dwight Howard, it certainly hasn't been in the last five years. Maybe you could say that a little bit more at the beginning of his career, but not anymore. I mean, this, Dwight Howard is such a physical specimen to me, and I don't mean to keep going on this these Dwight Howard rants every time his name is brought up, but I just want to point out the fact that I do not want to see Dwight Howard in a Celtics uniform, even if it is for what Chris Mannix describes as the right deal. I just don't want to see it. So I hope it's just due diligence, and I hope maybe the Celtics are just, I don't know, trying to get a vibe as, as you know, to, with the market value. I, I just hope they're trying to get that sense, and that's it. They're not really trying to sign him. Like Al Horford, oh, I'd bring in Al Horford any day of the week over Dwight Howard. And what was interesting in that conversation that I just had with Chris Mannix, you know, the one thing that really jumps out is, the Horford stuff again, the Celtics are going to meet with Horford, okay? We know that. But I guess in the back of my mind, I have a hard time believing that Horford gets you Durant. I do. Now, we heard the report months ago that Horford was actually a player that's on a very short list of players that Kevin Durant would want to play with. That was an actual report. 
And and if that's true, then you do everything you can to get Al Horford, right? I would drive right now and pick the guy up. Honestly, I'd, I'd drop everything. But in the back of my mind, I just have a tough time believing that that's the guy that would seal the deal on signing Kevin Durant, right? And Horford's a nice player. I don't look at him as a max contract guy unless... It guarantees you Durant, right? Like, I'm going to give a max contract. If if you get into a room with Kevin Durant, which the Celtics are going to be in, because they're, they're getting in, you know, they get in a meeting with Kevin Durant. I told you. They, they got a seat at the dinner table. Right now, that's all you can ask for. But it's all you can ask for because it at least gives you a shot. And if you're one of six teams, which as of right now, we're here, and now maybe there'll be a seventh, maybe there'll be an eighth. Heck, maybe there'll only be five or four. But the Celtics are one of these teams. and. When you're one of these teams, you have a shot. And I've explained that to you the last couple days, but what me and Chris do agree on is that the Celtics need to go out and add some type of other piece. I just wonder if Horford is that piece. And you heard Chris Mannix say sort of, you know, stop me mid-question, mid-conversation you know, mid and said, hey, no, 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 Al Horford is somebody that would get you Durant. So if that is true, let the games begin. Because from everything that we've heard, Horford to the Celtics is not an impossible task. Like, you just got to sign this guy. And I know Atlanta, you know, the Larry Bird rights, all that shit. Like, you get, you know, you get the, they can obviously give him more, right? The team that, that he's with. But I tell you what, it is not a pipe dream that Al Horford ends up in a Celtics uniform. It's just not. And if Horford gets you Durant, do everything you can to get Horford right now. Do everything you can. I just don't want to see them do everything they can to get Dwight Howard. In fact, I don't want them to get Dwight Howard at all, even if it is for the right price. Because even at the right price, to me, it's not the right deal because he's not the right type of personality to be in this locker room. Now, look, that, but if you want to sort of take me off that Dwight Howard, how I don't like him, take me away from that conversation. And if you want to tell me, well, Danny, you know, you want to shake me and say, what if Dwight Howard gets you Durant? (laughs) Then obviously, I'm going to bring in Dwight Howard. But do I think that Durant wants to play with Dwight Howard? No, why would he? He sees what me and you see. He sees what we all see. Well, some of us, I think most of us see. I just don't like Dwight Howard. I don't want to see him in a Celtics uniform. If it gets you Durant, then obviously, obviously you make the move and you bring him in. You bring in anybody that gets you Durant, okay? So let's just end that part of it. But do you really think Dwight Howard would get you Durant? No, I think Horford would get you Durant more than Howard would. Uh, but somebody, you got to bring somebody else in and the Celtics have the, the money to spend to do it and the assets to make a trade if they need to. But we'll keep an eye on the Kevin Durant stuff. The LeBron James stuff, opting out, that's just, you know, this is just him reworking his deal with Cleveland, in my opinion. He's not leaving Cleveland. There's no way he leaves the Cavs. I just don't see it happening. And um, that's sort of an end of story statement to me. Like, that's it. Yeah, he's opting out. What they're going to do is they're going to get nuts on all these TV shows today. Like, you know, the the whole block on ESPN from like 4 to 7. Right. 
They're getting nuts. Top top story will be LeBron James offside. Is he making another decision? Where is he going to go? They're going to use it to eat, kill time, to eat up the top story. That's what they're going to do because it's going to get ratings and everyone's going to talk about it. But I just think it's as simple as this. LeBron's opting out of his $24 million player option because he feels like even if he signs another maybe two-year deal with an opt-out after the first year, he can get more next year with the opt-out than he can if he just picks it up. Like, that's all. If it, if it means an extra four, five mil, so be it. Opt out and get it. He's staying in Cleveland, though. He's going to stay in Cleveland. So let's not try to make too big of a deal about that. So there's your, there's your NBA news, I guess, of the day. And, and Chris Mannix, always great to talk with him. So uh, great stuff right there. But I'm going to move on from basketball. And just, actually, just a programming note. As I get into baseball with the Red Sox, the Red Sox, they play a day game today. Heck, by the time you listen to this podcast, they might have already wrapped it up. David Price on the mound against Tampa Bay lefty Matt Moore. Red Sox trying to win two straight. Uh, I will not be here on the podcast tomorrow. However, I will be on WEI both tonight, 10 to midnight, and then tomorrow night, 6 to 10. The 6 to 10 time slot tomorrow night on Thursday night, I'll be on WEI. But as for this podcast, no podcast tomorrow. Friday morning, I'm leaving for Chicago, going to a wedding all weekend. I'm back. I come back Sunday night. Monday morning, uh, I am on WEI at 9 a.m., I believe. I think it's me and Rob Bradford, 9 to 1 or 9 to 12.30, leading you into Red Sox coverage, I believe. And then uh, for this podcast, I'm not back here until next Wednesday in the Beantown Athletic Studios. So we got a little time off with the podcast, a shortened week this week. This is the last show of the podcast this week, and I won't be back on the podcast till next Wednesday. But um, I'm on WEI tonight, Wednesday night, 10 to midnight, and then WEI tomorrow, Thursday, uh, 6 to 10 p.m., the evening shift. So hopefully you'll join me for that. And um, I don't know, maybe it is the proverbial title shot. I have no idea, but I think you should tune in just in case, okay? That's what I think you should do. Red Sox have off tomorrow, so I'm on the 6 to 10 evening show. The Danny Picard Show takes over WEI tomorrow night, 6 to 10 p.m. Please join me. But the Red Sox last night, an 8 to 2 win. And it's funny. It's funny, you know? Because I one thing I don't hear today is I don't hear John Farrell criticism. I don't hear John Farrell praise. I don't hear anything about John Farrell. Yet yesterday, John Farrell was a guy that people wanted to run out of town. And look, one thing I also need to clarify to people maybe on social media or people who have emailed me about yesterday's show, uh, about me defending John Farrell, because if you missed yesterday's podcast, I defended Red Sox manager John Farrell. And I, I was pretty adamant and st- I felt very strongly about this defense of John Farrell because I don't think it was his fault at all with what happened with Eduardo Rodriguez, who just put together an embarrassing, pathetic display in Tampa Bay two nights ago. How is that on the manager? I, I, I just, I don't understand how you could put that on the manager. And people who are so worked up about other moves that were made with the lineup or, 
you know, giving guys days off or, or, or whatever you're doing with the roster. Like, to me right now, this latest stretch, before last night's win, you know, where you lost a couple in a row and the pitching was bad, and even when your ace was bad last Friday night in Texas, you still ended up coming back and winning that game. But it was still a weird outing from David Price, who was yanked very early after getting lit up. You know, that, that skid the Red Sox were on, I didn't look at that as being a manager problem. It wasn't a problem with the manager. Like, it wasn't. That was a problem with the pitching. Like, if, and for people that want to point out, well, the pitching needs to improve under a manager who used to be a pitching coach. Look, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying. Like, I, I'm not... I'm not disregarding that. I'm not saying that's stupid. I'm not saying that that idea that the pitching staff should improve under a manager who is a pitching coach and you should be getting some pretty damn good advice where they could fix some things. But at some point, these guys need to go out there and just pitch. Like, like at some point, David Price, for all the video that's being shown to him, for all the things that he's been working on, at some point, you got to go out and, and just continue to be the ace, okay? Like, not everybody can continue to find the answers for you. At some point, you need to go out and find the answers and search and dig deep down inside and pull those answers out yourself. Like, John Farrell, at the end of the day, the pitching staff, the, 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 when it comes to the pitching coaches, they can only help these guys so much. My point yesterday was, at some point, when you're Eduardo Rodriguez, at some point, you got to go out there and just throw the fucking ball with conviction. Like, nobody else can do that for you. You have to be able to do it. And when you can't, and you continue to give embarrassing performances, and it is a confidence thing to me, and it's something that's between his ears, like, I can't put that on the manager. I can't do it. All right? You got to pitch in this league. But I also preface it by saying, like, don't come to me and be like, oh, you love John Farrell, and, and you think he's done nothing wrong. No way. Like, listen to me. Hear me for a minute. John Farrell has made many mistakes with this ball club. He, and this year he's done it. I'm not saying he's been perfect. I'm not saying this guy should be the, the manager long-term for the Red Sox. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is I hear all this criticism about what happened in the last couple games before last night. And, like, people are putting that on the manager. And I'm going, well, there are times in which I think you can put it on the manager. But not when your starting pitching shows up and performs like this. Like, I'm sorry. At some point, these guys need to go out and just pitch. And when they can't, I just, I think that's irresponsible, at least for myself, to put that on the manager. I just, I can't do it. And I didn't want to do it yesterday, so I defended him. And what did I tell you? I said, if the Red Sox can turn around, turn this around and snap out of the skid, what's the one thing they'll be doing? If they snap out of the skid, you know what they, what they do? Is they'd pitch. Rick Porcello would show up give you six or seven innings of one or two run ball, and, he, and he'd, he'd turn this thing around. And that's exactly what he did. Rick Porcello went out last night, and he pitched. And he got out of a couple big jams, one huge bases-loaded jam, and ended it with a strikeout, with a nasty sort of two-seam tailing back inside on a left-handed hitter that gets the called strike three. And he was excited. And he should have been. Porcello picks up his ninth win of the season. He's 9-2 with a 3.78 ERA. He gives you six innings last night. Allowed five hits. Only one run. Walked three guys. Struck out eight. Got out of a couple jams. One huge jam with bases loaded. 
and he pitched. Porcello went out last night. He battled. He dug down deep inside, and he and he pitched, and he showed up. I've always said managers, coaches, too much credit, too much of the blame. I'm not going to sit here and, and praise John Farrell for that performance last night. I'm going to praise Rick Porcello. And I'm going to praise the offense for coming up with some timely hits in big spots. Travis Shaw with a home run in the second inning. David Ortiz with a double in the third. That drove in a run. Jackie Bradley Jr. with a double, RBI double in the fifth. Hanley Ramirez with a lot of hustle there scoring. All right, Hanley Ramirez taking one to right field to drive in a run. Travis Shaw driving in another. Travis Shaw driving in another. I mean, you know, and Travis Shaw was funny because I read a quote from him that says, you know, my slump could have been a whole lot worse. And I agree. I agree. He went three for five last night with five ribbies. Shaw's hitting 273. Uh, He hit you the home run early. Look, guys are going to go on slumps. Sometimes we expect these guys to be so perfect for 162. It's just, we do it every year. I, I think a lot of it has to do with the passion that we have and how much time we spend focusing and loving this team. I get that. But I just, I, I think that sometimes we need to take a step back, take a couple deep breaths, and understand how long the season is. And sometimes people in this business that I'm in that don't do it, who actually should know because they've been there, it, it, it confuses me. It confuses me. And then when you break it all down as to why the recent skid happened before last night's game, and you actually look at the realistic reasons as to what was taking place, is that they showed up and they couldn't pitch. And I told you, if they're going to turn this thing around last night, one thing needs to happen. Rick Porcello, not John Farrell doesn't need to do something different. Okay, he doesn't John Farrell doesn't need to reinvent the wheel going into last night's game. The only thing that can happen for the Red Sox, for them, going up against Chris Archer and the Rays, to give them a shot to win and snap out of this kid, is for Rick Porcello to show up last night and pitch. And guess what? The kid did just that, and that is why the Red Sox got back to their winning ways. That's why. That's why. I'm not going to praise John Farrell for it, much like I'm not going to crush John Farrell in the previous, after the previous three games for their pitching not showing up. Okay? So, that's what we had last night. A much-needed st- dominant, dominant strong. Yeah, dominant is strong. Okay. But based on what you've been getting, didn't it sort of feel dominant? You know what I'm saying? Based on the, the performances that we've been seeing, it just, it had, it had a much different feel to it. Much more positive feel, especially when he gets out of that bases loaded jam. You're saying, okay, all right, this is it. This is exactly what this team needed. They didn't need the manager to reinvent the wheel. They didn't need the manager to get nuts and start listening to people crushing them, running them out of town and do something drastic. You know, they just needed Porcello to go out there and pitch. And he went out there and pitched, and the Red Sox won it 8-2. So, that's where we stand. If you look at the stand-ins today, the Red Sox still in second. Still four and a half games behind the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Again, today, day game, David Price versus Matt Moore. Same thing with Price today. Got to show up and pitch. It's got to be better than it was the other night. Got to be much better than it was the other night. And then you get tomorrow off, and you play the Angels back home at Fenway over the weekend. So that's where we stand with your Boston Red Sox. And uh, that's where I will wrap up this show today and really wrap up this week. Uh, Have a great 4th of July. 
Again, I'll be on WEI. So I'll talk to you tonight on WEI, 10 to midnight. I'll talk to you tomorrow on WEI, Thursday night, 6 to 10. And then I'll talk to you on July 4th, actually. Monday, the 4th of July, 9 a.m. I think it's me and Rob Bradford, WEI. So tune into that. You can get this podcast. It's available whenever you want it, dannypicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Google Play Music Store, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard, like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. Make sure you check out my weekly column in the Boston Metro. Anything else I need to promote? There's always something that I feel like I forget to promote for myself because there's just a million things that are, that's going on. I got this trip to Chicago this weekend. I'm actually moving into a new apartment too. So I'm tonight, today, busy day, busy couple days, busy weekend. It never slows down, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I'd rather be too busy than not busy at all. I, I'm, I'm serious. I would. So I guess at the end of the day, it's a good thing. A lot of good things happening, and I'm glad you can join me for it. Have a great weekend. Talk to you on WEI tonight and tomorrow and on the 4th of July. I am out back here for this podcast next Wednesday. Talk to you soon.